Past the remote, I'm James Chalmers, and with me as always are the recently relieved Nicholas Owen. Hello. And the sadly sick Tina Harrisonitis. Hello. Talk about alliteration. Yeah, nice. Yeah. We've had a, a mixed bag of a week, I think, guys. One of us is on top of the world <laughs> at the moment, having just uh, finished school. Finished school, yeah. Nice, Yay, man. You can call me Dustin Hoffman. Because you're the graduate? Yes. <laughs> Place of Alice See, I went, I went with because you dusted off your... Hoffman. Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The old Hoffman. I do get that reference. <laughs> and unfortunately, Tina's a little bit crook at the moment. She's uh, a little be... bit. Well, that's being generous. Sound like a man. <laughs> it's actually three men tonight, guys. <laughs> yeah. Sup, dudes. Hey, bro. Want to slam some brewskis? <laughs> you know everything about being a man already. It's crazy. It's true. Yeah, it just sounds yeah. manly than I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, aside from our ales and our successes, how's the week been, guys? On top of the world, as you said, mm-hmm. I got that beautiful period, like just post exams, where I just have to now pack everything and get ready for a massive trip. So, yeah, this is our <laughs> last episode with Nick Owen for about six weeks. Probably closer to ten. Ten weeks. Um, going to find a lot of replacements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, uh, I'm, I'll be away, like overseas, for probably <laughs> two months exactly. Yep. And then, um, you know. Some downtime when you get back. Yeah, yeah. rest and yeah. recoup after. Because I think yeah. I get back on a Tuesday, so who knows if the next day I want to. Uh... Yeah, good point. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, it's not what you want. It's what's good for the show, mate. Oh, yeah, so... exactly. <laughs> and Tina, you're... Oh, sorry, you're going to say. I was going to say you guys could come and do like a bedside episode where I'm just like, yeah. one of you holds my hand and yeah. I'm, I'm on the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> top five moves to fall asleep to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tina, aside from being sick, you're. Uh... Oh, I'm. Busy. Yeah, cool. Report writing season is well and truly upon us, and I am well and truly very much screwed and behind. <laughs> it is kind of amazing reports. that we got this show together tonight because Nick's flat out busy at the moment. You're sick. I'm a little tender myself. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, it's been a bit of an odd week. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? We're still here. We're all here. We're still powering through. This is our last hurrah for for ten weeks or so. Yeah. so we're gonna make the most of it. Should we do some news? Mm. Yes, please. Uh, I only have a few articles, guys. <clears throat> and when I say articles, I mean just a few little headlines. Uh, first of all, <coughs> as if we didn't know it was coming, Wonder Woman 2 has been greenlit. So we're going to get oh, a Wonder Woman yeah. sequel. Oh, no surprises there, really. Absolutely. Hopefully, well, I mean, they might do World War 2, because that happens in the comics as well. Or we might just skip straight forward to the present day and see if we find some more modern uh, villains. I think they've done, like, the Origins thing, not that I'd be against a World War 2 version, <clears throat> but, like, you know, we've done the, the Origins in the past... I think, like, bring it up to, up yeah. to date on the... Yeah. And do we need another Nazi movie at this point? Like, don't get me wrong, I love yeah. Nazi movies, yeah. but, like... I mean, in a world where Captain America, First Avenger exists, we don't need to kind of walk on that turf, so... Yeah. Is, uh, is it the same um, <coughs> cast and crew? Is, is it Patty Jenkins? Is Patty that... Jenkins is involved again. I actually watched a Patty Jenkins <laughs> film today. 
Um, and Gal Gadot, obviously. And I think that's about all that's going to stay the same. We might see... They haven't like kind of released a cast yet because it's only just been announced. Mm. I'm, <clears throat> I imagine that we'll see... Um, is it Connie... Who played Hippolyta? Connie Nielsen, yeah. I think she might come back. And maybe a couple of the other Amazons, obviously. Mm. Uh, what happened to... Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, Robin will write... Robin Wright's character we'll probably see her again no. although she is in Justice League apparently so it must be a flashback oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, I got a question for you Go just for it. regarding like when these so obviously Gal Gadot entered into the the DC universe in Batman vs Superman yes how does that work do they like say hey here's a contract for three movies keep your schedule up you know what I mean or someone like Chris Evans who's playing <clears throat> who's been playing the same character for now 10, 10 years yeah. how does that work uh, look, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I don't have a, a huge knowledge of the way the studio system works, but I think the way, at least the Marvel system worked to begin with, they were like, look, we're going to do this movie here. If it's successful, we'd like to do a three-picture deal, so we're going to sign on for that. And then so Robert Downey Jr. was signed on for one Iron Man, and the, if there was a possibility for two or three, he'd be in, under contract for them as well. Um, the contracts in Marvel now are a little bit different, where they're actually open, where they're like, we're going to... We want to do uh, like X amount of movies, and then there's also an appearance quota as well. So mm. they have like a cameo in like two movies or a TV show or something. Yeah. Like, so Clark Gregg, the guy who plays Agent Coulson, um, had like an appearance contract, and then he was going to go and lead a TV show as well. So um, I think that's how I imagine the DC EU were putting a similar thing. I think when it came to Batman, like Henry Cavill had already signed off for Man of Steel and Man of Steel Two, <coughs> has yet to happen. But um, when they so I did Batman vs Superman. I think they're like, look, we are going to do a Batman movie, so Affleck, you've got to be involved at least another Batman movie, and we're going to do a Justice League film. And same with Gal Gadot. So I don't think, I think, I think it really depends. Like this whole dark universe, the Universal doing it now, I think is maybe the worst example of it because that first film hasn't done well, and they don't necessarily have a bank of characters that people love anymore. Like I do. I'm excited they're doing all these monster movies. But most 15-year-olds don't care about Dracula or Frankenstein mm. and stuff like that. So it might be a little bit tough, tougher. That being said, they do have a brand. Like, I think that's what kind of gives them the ability to kind of sign people on for that long. Because it's like, look, if we cast just Wonder Woman, you're going to get your own film at some point, And you're yeah. going to be in Justice League. So like, if that's something you want to do, you've got to sign on for it. But yeah, just make sure that you know that you're going to be in X amount of movies. And I think that's kind of how it works. I mean, they also negotiate all sorts of things. I'm sure they're getting paid... Nice amount of money as well. To oh, do yeah. it. So, mm. Plus, you know, I mean, I'm sure Gal Gadot was just like, I'm the first cinematic Wonder Woman. This is awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Actually, but yeah, I wasn't uh, just <coughs> unsure whether because like these franchises aren't the kind where you know, I'm sure someone like like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Just say they attach him to a project, but his schedule is like yeah. six months in advance. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, look, we'll just slate it for this gap here. These were like massive blockbusters where it's like, no, we're making it now. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, you know, let's say Gal Gadot has like signed a contract to be in Wonder Woman 2 mm. what if she's booked up for say yeah. you know to, to that's that's what, like, screw your other movies do. that's you know. what they had to do yeah with um with um oh Chris Pratt uh for Guardians of the Galaxy and so like they obviously he was working on um on Parks and Rec and so they just had to like write him into a story where he wasn't going to be there mm. um mm. and then he just made like 
appearances where he could basically yeah. yeah and then they had to have that line of like so how'd you lose all the weight and he's like oh, i just cut out beer mm-hmm. sort of thing like that when in reality it was because he was doing yeah. it for guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. which also he didn't have to do james gunn was like i don't even care if you want to be chubby we'll have style or chubby he's like just mm. give me six months and he like cut down all that weight mm. yeah um and similar thing happened with dark knight rises actually where like chris nolan only wouldn't um marion coltiard to play that role so like he'd already like had the script in development once Dark Knight had come out. Like he was ready to go with Dark Knight Rises, and he's like, she was pregnant. She was like, "Well, wait till the pregnancy's over, and then we'll get stuck into it." Mm. So, I think they were aiming to like have a 2010 release or something, and they waited until she was done, and then. Mm. So like some studios, and there's definitely also like <clears throat> pretty famous accounts. Of course, I can't think of any right now of actors who have passed on roles simply because they didn't want to get locked into a commitment. Mm. Like um, a lot of people, like in the Spider-Man casting just recently, like before Tom Holland was cast. A lot of different people were approached, and they were like, "Look, Spider-Man, like you're gonna do two films, plus he's in Civil War, plus he's gonna be in like an Avengers yeah, film. Like, it's too much. I don't want to yeah. commit myself to that." Yeah. And I think that's why you don't see people like Leonardo DiCaprio <coughs> in these movies as well. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> By the way, Tom Holland. Who knew he was a British like teenager? I did. I, I just like <laughs> I saw this thing pop up. It's like him and Robert Downey Jr. on. <clears throat> Some talk show, yeah. Jimmy Fallon or oh, it was Jimmy I, Kimmel. I, I Jimmy didn't Kimmel. Know. I didn't and know he was British. Yeah, like Robert Downey Jr. is talking in his Downey Jr. voice. I'm like, oh yeah, that's him. And then this is like, yes, it's such a pleasure to be. He's yeah. like, it's like young <laughs> British guy. I'm like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Jamie Bell. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I love Jamie Bell. Sorry, a bit off track there. But uh, so to cut it short, yes, one one two officially happening. Mm. We knew it was going to happen. Like, there was no way that if they, oh, if yeah. they didn't make a sequel, it would have been outraged. Like. Mm. They put up this um, graphic just recently, like of all the superhero films that have been released like, in the last ten years, and like their box office drop up, drop off after the first week, <coughs> and so like most films drop at least thirty percent off, maybe more. Like I think Batman vs Superman dropped sixty percent mm. like the next week because it just was destroyed. Wonder Woman now has the record for the lowest drop off after a week, like two weeks, like the first week and second week, like lost all, like lost almost no money. The second week coming mm. out of it was that's awesome. Like, I wonder if that's because you had so many. <laughs> dormant fans who would have gone see the first week mm. and then you had maybe a lot more of the normal uh, superhero fans who were waiting for the reaction I think mm, it, I think it probably cuts down a couple of things I think you have like your uber fans who m- might have seen it twice mm. you have your general public who might not necessarily go to the movies first week because like oh it's going to be too busy yeah that's right and then you get both comic fans and also just regular movie goes who are like uh, Hunters. Suicide Squad wasn't very good I didn't like Batman vs Superman. I wasn't a fan of Man of Steel. I'm not rushing out to this one. And then it's been universally praised. It's had like almost no criticisms, except for a couple of very humorous criticisms that came out that were released recently as well. Like a whole bunch of do like they re- released the list of the worst reviews by men. Yeah. And like it was just people who did not understand the character or the concept at all. Like there was a uh, there was a Melbourne based one which really upset me, and I've always hated that critic as well. I got, oh, was it? Jabba? No, it wasn't him. Although I don't like him either. Jabba. I'll go. I'll go on uh, on record and say it's this guy Lee Patch, and he writes for the, the Herald Sun. Guy, he writes yeah. for the Herald Sun, and I remember like <clears throat> at age thirteen, I read one of his reviews. And I'm like, you don't get it. Yeah. Like you just don't get it. Like just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not a good or a bad film. Mm. Like yeah. my review of Alien Covenant, like two or three weeks ago, I didn't like the film, but I still didn't give it like a two. I was like, I get it's a good movie, just mm. personally. It's not my. You know, I would mm. like a different story. Um. And we don't even really do reviews, we kind of have more discussions. But yeah, he like was talking about how, I don't know, I don't remember what his review was, but it was like scathingly bad, and I was like, oh my god, like why? Like the only Australian poor review, 
and from Melbourne as well. I was like, oh, get out of here. Like, so what did he say about Wonder Woman? <clears throat> I can't remember, but it was very negative. Like, But he's like, I don't know if you've read, like, he's got a review, no, in his defense, but like, I just don't even bother. He's like a review. He's like, is he like an Andrew Bolt kind of guy where you're no, just like, no. I don't give a fuck what this guy but says. But he's, he's got a, he works for the Herald Sun yeah. and his reviews are like, he's got a, he's like, oh, he's their movie guy. Yeah. And he's got to review everything yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So it's like, you know what, if you want to review, don't go to the Herald Sun. There's yeah. websites yeah. that actually know yeah. about Well, movies. I haven't, I haven't read a review of his again? Lee Patch, um, and it's spelled really wankily as well. P-A-A-T-C-S-C-H. Um, yeah, I've never been, I haven't read one of his reviews in a long time, but I remember like as a kid, like before I had access to the internet constantly, every Sunday I'd read to the paper and like want to see what movies around what the reviews were. And every week, like as if like on clockwork, I'd be infuriated by what he was writing. I'm like, you just don't get it. And I don't like Jabber either, like Who's Jabber? He's the Sunrise movie reviewer. <laughs> and like he was he again, he doesn't get it either. He's just like he gave I think he gave Spider Man two I think like two stars. He was like, Oh, it's all Special effects and noise, it's not worth seeing. But then he gave a Transformers film, like a really good review. I'm yeah. like, that's... So inconsistent. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? And also, this guy is, like, always in, like, every Paul Fennick show. Like, so Fat Pizza, Houzos. Like, he's in every single... Oh, okay. So I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And Jabba. Yeah. Is that he... what he's... Like, Jabba the Hutt? Yeah. He's in, like, all of those. And I'm like, dude, you can't, like, pan semi-decent films when you're in awful things. Like... Everyone's reading, except for me. So I just want to um, want to make sure. Uh, <laughs> images are all Jabba the Hutt. How funny! Can you tell me who that is? I will. He's forty-three. Jabba is so happy mm. birthday. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, his his yeah. Um, and then there's another review, like someone from, and it was someone from a comic book site as well, which really bummed me out. And like they're like. Wonder Woman has big boobs in the comics. Why isn't they? Why aren't they cast them with big boobs? I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. Like, she might be the most beautiful woman on the planet at this point. Like, yeah. is it? Does that really matter? Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of websites where you can get your you, kids. You might just be a purist. <laughs> what a maniac. Um, anyway, so that's Wonder Woman. Um, the other news that we have is that the next DC movie to come after Justice League apparently is going to be Batgirl. Really? Yeah, because that's they have out of the blue. Well, they announced a while ago, but. Flash, they still haven't got a director or a script. Batman, there's been a few problems, but I think that's going ahead. What about Aquaman? Aquaman, are you, maybe it's not after Justice League. Maybe it's the next one to be shot. So maybe it's... Because it wasn't very clear when I read it. Yeah. It was just like, Batgirl's the next film. And I was like, that... Is, is it just like the next one that they've announced? So it might be Aquaman, <clears throat> Justice League 2, Batman, then Batgirl. Because haven't they got the Sirens one? Well, there's no movement on that one yet. Like, so it's just announced. It's announced, but yeah. like the only person attached is the director and uh, Margot Robbie. So, <coughs> yeah. And like Nightwing's been announced, but nothing's attached. But I imagine we'll learn a lot more in like a month's time when Comic Con comes on. Mm. If well, you hopefully were, there'll be some. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you, you won't be here for that, but that'll yeah. be a huge episode. Yeah, there'll be hopefully there'll be trailers galore. So what's going to be? So probably you think maybe another tra- uh, Thor trailer? We'll probably see some Thor footage. We'll probably see... On Just, a sp- Spider-Man will be out by then. Yeah. Maybe we'll, Justice League. We'll see some more Justice League. I imagine we might see some Aquaman footage. Yeah. Um, already? Oh, they're shooting. Like, they've already released Aquaman footage. Oh. But like... Oh, a, I did see it. Yeah, like James Wan like, tweeted like a... It was a really cool like video. And like... It was just like Aquaman like swimming. 
and then like coming to stand in front of the throne mm. and like how they're doing the effects because obviously like they move diff- like you can't do that in real life so mm. just showing like what it would look like I was like wow that is what it would look like that's really cool yeah so they showed a little bit of that and they also like showed some mirror photos of Amber Heard just as mirror so we might see some of that I'm trying to think what else we might see there won't be any Batman stuff maybe you know, Captain Marvel hasn't started some Infinity War stuff oh yeah we'll get some Infinity War yeah. footage I reckon um at least a teaser yeah um, so they're going to break that up into two. I wonder what percentage. No, they're not. They, oh. So they <coughs> announced this a while ago. It's not Infinity War Part One and Part Two anymore. Avengers Three is Infinity War, <coughs> and Avengers Four is something else. And they haven't confirmed the title. But uh, Zoe Saldana was in an interview, and she like said something that she shouldn't have. And now people are speculating the fourth one is called the Infinity Gauntlet. So it still is part of the same storyline or like mm. the continuing story. But they're meant to be the two own standalone films. So when you get to the first one, there will be a sense of more to come but there will be an ending as well from what they said because okay. so, I think we're going to there's going to be a big team shake up as well in two films so like not everyone's going to be in both films mm. as well so well I think they'll have to cull some characters because you just can't have that many people on screen who need exposition <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well there's also two movies in between the two Infinity War films like the first one comes out then we have Ant-Man and the Wasp then we have Captain Marvel then we have Infinity War Part 2 Ant-Man and the Wasp is an interesting choice to have in between those two because it's just like that to me is one of the that's on the f- more of the on the fringes of the yeah. universe you know like they not the peripheral characters so. mm. I think we'll probably find a lot of our space oriented heroes in the first one mm. so maybe we'll see a lot more Guardian stuff maybe some Iron Man maybe some Hulk and some Thor and I think our more human heroes will probably take the stage in the second half mm. um, so yeah I think that's probably what's going to happen but who knows I would absolutely love a cameo from the Defenders as well, but I don't think it would I really want it as well, but I've basically written it off. I'm like, it's just, I, I, I remember when Civil War was happening, I'm like, I was going to say Daredevil, like Daredevil's in the book, like yeah. just, even if it's just like, um, they're just going through New York and they just like, go like, Iron Man flies over an alleyway, you just see like Daredevil like throw a billy club or something, that'd mm. be great, but yeah, I don't think we're going to see it, unfortunately, but I hope, I hope. Mm. Um... So yeah, so Batgirl, uh, and then the last bit of news is some pretty sad news. Um, mm. We uh, we lost Batman the other day. Uh, Adam West uh, passed away at the age of eighty-eight Adam West, Adam West. Uh, from leukemia, of all things. Yeah. It is. It, it's kind of a weird one. Like, I'm, it's, it's definitely sad, but it's, it's also kind of weird. It's like, like he was eighty-eight and died of leukemia. It's kind of unheard of. Like when most cancer victims tend to die well before they should. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, he must have died of old age. Like, he was, you know, almost 90. Mm. Um, and I don't think a lot of... I think a lot of people didn't know. I think they kind of kept it under wraps and stuff. So, um, yeah, that was a bummer. That was... Um, and it was funny, I was telling Tina, like, literally the day before, I was listening to an interview with... Not with him, but, like, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about the Adam West Batman series. I was like, man, it's going to suck when that guy passes away. Like, he's so cool. And then, like, literally, like, 12 hours, I was like... Yeah. I was like, okay, don't think about Stanley at all. Because <laughs> yeah. that dude's, you know, does, I don't probably have a lot of miles watching this clock either. But um, but a big bummer. So I spent the morning watching the 1960s Batman movie, yeah. and it is crazy. So is, he was, was he in a, a show or a movie, or both? Both. He was, yeah, he was the Batman okay. um, in the 1960s show. The movie actually um, was made because of the success of the first season. Like, wow, this is caught fire. Quick, let's make a movie. Yeah. And then the movie was used as a, as a promotional tool, tool to sell the show overseas because it only aired in America yeah. at first and then they released the movie worldwide and they sold the show based on that. And this was in the era when you had a grey 
suit, wasn't it? He had the grey and black suit. Yeah. Um, and Robin had the tights, like the stockings or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cesar Romero was the Joker, but he, Cesar Romero had a moustache and he wouldn't shave it, so he just painted over his moustache. Um, but I was watching it, and it, it, there's definitely some dopey stuff in it, but it definitely holds up. There's some really good stuff in there as well. Like, yeah. And stuff you wouldn't see in movies today, because it's kind of like... Like the plot was they were disintegrating all these world leaders by dehydrating them, and then they had to like put them back together with water lamp. It was yeah, it was kind of crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, have you never watched any of the old Adam no, Buster? No, just like I've never been tempted to like yeah. go back. And I mean, I feel like there's not enough stuff to watch that comes out now. So yeah, it's a pretty big. Um, it's a pretty big part of my childhood. Like even though I wasn't a Batman fan from like day one, I always kind of liked the character and stuff like the idea of him. And as a kid, like, my mum would um, run, like, the oldies channels. Like, there'd be, like, a channel... Like, you know how, like, in the afternoon, the channels play, like, Get Smart and, like, all yeah. those old sitcoms? Like, Batman was one of those, and I'd watch that. Um, <coughs> so he was my first Batman, like most people, I think. Um, and, yeah. So, yeah, we lost a, we lost a, a hero. And, of course, week. I mean, like, what I think a lot of people these days would know him for is his work on Family Guy. Of course, absolutely. The Mayor of Cohog. Um, where he just made fun of himself, which is pretty great yeah, as well. Like, he's weirdo in the world. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite moments in that is that. Is it that, when he's talking to the plant? No, it's when like he's walking around. He's like, I've got to get oh, on my, yeah. got to get on my cat's back. Yeah. He's like, come here, mittens. Come here, Paul. Paul. Pulse. That's not that's a cat's a name. That's a people's name. And he starts laughing. At yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, bummer, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, big life. 88 years is nothing to sneeze at. No, and like, you can't really argue with his legacy. So, no. you know, I think there's no point just like, I, it's not a tragedy, is it really? Mm. No, and it's interesting you mentioned his legacy because, yeah, for the longest time he was only known as Batman. But you're right, he definitely redefined himself in the last 10 years. As, like, most, a lot of kids probably don't even know him as Batman. They probably just know him as the mayor of Cohog and stuff. So that's kind of cool to get to have like a second bite of the apple, which mm. most actors don't get to do, so... Second slice of the pie. (coughs) 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 Correct. (laughs) Um, Should we get into some reviews? Trailer trash? Well, reviews tend to come before trailer trash. Oh, yeah, my bad. Does anyone... Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't know the name of the show at the start of the show. (laughs) You didn't, did you? What hope did I have for the order of the segments? Um, Has anyone seen any movies this week? Just me. <laughs> cool. This will be quick. Let's see. I'm going to tell you about some correlations or some Hanover if you want to. What's that? Analysis of variance. It's really boring statistics and stuff. Okay. I was joking. On that. <laughs> okay. That was probably as interesting as analysis itself. Yeah. Um, I watched two movies. One I actually watched last week, and I was going to review last week, but I was like, eh, we reviewed a lot, so I'll give it a break. Um, I watched uh, a movie called Keep Help with the Joneses. Uh, basically, because I was on a real um, Gal Gadot high at that point, I was still really off Wonder Woman. Um, so it's just kind of like this cheesy little like spy comedy starring John Hamm, Zach Galifianakis, Isla Fisher, and Gal Gadot. Not like I think it's like a five point seven on IMDb, and it's it's dropped. It's gone up. It's gone up. Five point eight. I did give it a ten star review, so <laughs> that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Basically, it's about like this suburban couple, like who live a very normal life and they get these kind of strange neighbours and it turns out that they're spies and they don't know whether they're good spies or bad spies and then chaos ensues essentially. Mm. Uh, It's pretty fun. Like, it's the kind of movie that I would have seen with my dad as a kid. Like, it's, you know, it's definitely not, like, you know, 
in, in, cracking your top ten list probably, but it's lots of fun. Like Gal Gadot is great, Isle of Fish is really funny, and the two dudes. Like John Hamm is not phoning it in. Like he's still like played as if like yeah. like if it was Mad, it's like it's, it's like it's Madman to him. Like he's just like so committed to the role, and he's really fun as well. Um, I think um, I did see the trailer for this when it came mm-hmm. out, and I had sort of written it off as like oh, I don't really need to see it purely because I'm. I'm not a big Galifianakis fan. Okay. So he did have he had a huge rise with Hangover, and then he was in everything for a while, and mm. he's kind of fallen off a bit as well. I think almost because I almost see him as like a product more. It's like mm. we need to like we need to insert some of what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like his his stand up's very good. Yeah. His like it's really weird and like quirky. Like he does really interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> but he's fine in this. Like again, like it's not like a. It, it, you know, it's it's fine. But it's fun, and I, I did enjoy it and stuff. And I, yeah, I could imagine like taking my dad to go see that movie or something. Mm. Like it's, um, it's that kind of humor. Um, so I'll give it, um, I don't know, like six snakeheads out of ten. Oh, I wonder what that's a reference. To. And that'll leave some intrigue. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone six wants... out of ten, that's quite strong, actually. Yeah, like you know, it's it's. I mean, I could I could easily watch it again, but it, yeah, it's not like my favorite comedy. Mm. Um, but it was fun. Uh, and then the other movie I watched this week uh, was a new release. It only came out uh, on iTunes a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, is a movie called Table 19. Um, and it's a little indie comedy starring Anna Kendrick and Craig Robinson and Lisa Kudrow and uh, Stephen Merchant. Um, and essentially it's set at a wedding and it's about the, the last table at the wedding, which is kind of like a, just a mixed match of all the people who weren't really wanted there just kind of courtesy invited because they know the family and stuff yeah and kind of explores their <laughs> stories and why they're all the wedding together um and like what their relationship is and you know that sort of stuff and it's like a little indie romantic comedy um but it's really good like really really enjoyable like everyone's you know really great in it um Anna Kendrick is charming as always. Stephen Merchant is super creepy, and like he, most of the laughs came from his lines. Yeah. Actually, he's really funny in it. He's uh, he's back with hair. Yes, unlike in Logan. I thought because he hasn't got much of it left. Mm. I thought because he had that um, obviously shaved it off to play Calaman, Calamari man. Yes, well done. <laughs> Logan. Uh, and then, but I didn't know that's what he was doing, so I'm like, oh, he's just shaved his head. He's just like yeah. a bald guy now. Yeah. But he's back. No, head. he's great, no, he's really good. <laughs> so um, tall. Yeah, really tall. Um, and then the 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 kid in as well, there's, it's something Revoli, I think his name is. If you just scroll over. Tony Revolori. Sorry, Revolori? Yeah. Yeah, so I think he was in Grand Budapest Hotel, which I haven't seen yet. Um, he's great in it as well. Like, he plays this, like, teenager who ditched his prom... Because his mum was like, you probably got a better chance of hooking up if you go to a wedding instead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... How was June Squibb in She's there? great. June Squibb's <laughs> really good in it, actually, yeah. Um, she's really funny. Like, everyone's really funny. And, like, it's um, really, like, kind of heartfelt as well. Like, I definitely cried, like, at, at the end. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much. I know that's kind of... What we do sometimes, we yeah. don't get to talk about it too much because I'm a spoiler. But it's really fun. Like, I was going to go and see it in cinemas, and I saw I had like a low review, and I was like, eh, I shouldn't really spend the money this week, so I won't go. Mm. And now I'm kind of bummed it in since cinemas because I really enjoyed it. Like, Craig Robinson's really good, and like, his he plays Lisa Kudrow's wife, and they've got this really kind of heartbreaking story, but it's also kind of beautiful at the same time. Like, it's kind of 
hard to explain. But, mm. um, so, where's the romance? Um, there's a few different romance stories. So, um, yeah, the the kid Tony Revolori, he's just trying to hook up with anyone. Like yeah. he just wants to hook up. Um, Craig Robinson and Lisa Kudrow are like kind of this marriage <laughs> is kind of falling apart, and so yeah. it's about what's involved in that. And then, at, uh, well, I guess the main part of the story is Anna Kendrick was the maid of honor, yeah, um, because it's her best friend's wedding, and she was dating the bride's brother, but then he broke up with her over text. So she was like, I don't want to ruin your day. Just move to a different table and, you know, you can get someone else to fill the role. And so, like, she has to watch her ex-boyfriend work with a new woman mm. in the middle of this wedding as well that she helped plan and stuff. So. Is, it, is it this scumbag with long hair? It is. He looks like a bit of a I've seen schmuck. him in something else as well and he was really good in that. He's really good in this as well, actually. Um, I'll try and find... There he is. Wyatt Russell, Teddy... Yeah. Sounds like a scumbag <laughs> 22 Jump Street. Yeah, he's in something else as well. Yeah, let me have a skim through. Yeah. That's really interesting to listen to. Um, 22 Jump Street, um, we already said. Black Mirror. He was in Black Mirror. Oh, okay, yeah. He was in a really good episode of Black Mirror. Um, yeah. Cool. So I'll give that... Um, I'm trying to think... So it's actually got the same exact same score as uh, your last review, uh, the first film you reviewed, five point eight. That's oh, so the same as yeah. uh, as Keeping Up the Jones. Yeah. I would rate this high. This is yeah. definitely. I'm just trying to think of what I should. Uh, I'll rate it eight stolen wedding cakes out of ten. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed it. Eight out of ten. That's I don't know if everyone would give it an eight. Like they probably wouldn't, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. If you can get me to laugh and cry in the same movie and <laughs> yeah. feel a little bit heartwarmed as well, then you've done a yeah. good job. So, eight stolen wedding cakes. Nice. Guys, if there's no more reviews, there's only one thing to do. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba. Trailer trash. Well, I like that little horn section as well. It's great. <laughs> uh, I only watched one trailer this week. Did anyone else watch any trailers? I watched the biggest trailer release this week. Cool. I did not watch any trailers. Black Panther? Black Panther. Black Panther. <laughs> I didn't realise that was out. It was out. And With it... a lot more Andy Serkis than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, and it's just a tease, it's not the full trailer, so we'll probably <laughs> see one of those at Comic-Con as yeah. well. Um, looks great. Looks great. What about that bit when it pans up the tree and he's just sitting in the tree? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, I only watched it once, so I don't remember everything in it. Um, but I do remember Andy Serkis. Also, um, uh, Martin Freeman? He's in it as well. But who's Creed? What's his name? Oh, um, I forgot his Michael name. B. Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Jordan. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Killmonger, looks great. So who's he? Is he someone we he, should know about? He's a villain. He, and I think he might be the main villain in this, actually. Okay. Yeah. He's such a great actor. I was, when I saw him, I was sort of hoping that he uh, was going to play a good character who would then become part of the, the universe. It's cool to see him do a villain, though, because he kind of really plays mm. good characters thing for the most part. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to see him yeah. kind of... And it was awesome to get a look inside Wakanda. Yeah. Because um, it obviously they said it's a... He, at the start he goes, what do you know about Wakanda? And he's like, you know, third world country, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, that's a front. Yeah, it's and the like, most technologically advanced nation in the world. Yeah, like, you know, you go in, shows like this futuristic city and stuff like that. And there's this weird scene when, uh, what's the guy that's Black Panther? Like? Oh, Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Is that the actor? That's the actor. And what's the character's name? T'Challa. Yeah. When he's just sort of like standing and then there's just like, Women on a cliff <laughs> dancing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what? What event is this? Yeah, <laughs> but, but it looked amazing. Yeah, no, it looks good. 
It, um, go on, sorry. I was going to say, there was that bit when he's on a car which gets blown up and he sort of like launches into the air and flips around and then just like lands on another car. Just like, yeah. Amazing. Um, is Wakanda a real country? No. No, I didn't think no. so. It's one of those like, it's like made up, but yeah. it sounds like... Yeah, it like, sounds real. Like, and if you don't, if you don't, don't know quite enough about the wars, I'm like, yeah, that could be... Yeah, like, yeah. it's like in... There was one in... You know, at the start of Batman vs Superman, mm. Lois Lane is in the desert? Yeah. And she's like interviewing that, you know, general. Yeah. And that country's called Nairobi, which oh, is like, like a mixture yeah, of like yeah, three yeah. African countries. Yeah, which also, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds... Like, we all know Gotham's not real, and like Metropolis, you're like, okay. Like, yeah. But like Wakanda, I'm like that. Yeah, that could be real. Like, yeah. that's, that's, I would even say Nairobi sounds real mm. as well. Like, yeah. Um, but it looks great. It looks really fantastic. And people were joking online because this is obviously like this kind of game between DC and Marvel at the moment. Like, whenever someone releases something cool, they have to release something to kind of like follow up, or whatever, mm. and like compete with them. And it was like, well, Wonder Woman got a whole week this time, and they get to be celebrated as the first female woman for a whole week, and then the first black yeah. superhero, you know, was brought out and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it looks fantastic. It looks like a lot of fun. So, and that soundtrack was really cool as well. Mm. I just like the music in that. So, did it have a release or release date or? Was it just no, like... I, it's out next year. Next year is Infinity War, then Black Panther. Oh, actually, yeah, Black Panther's in between the two as well. So, is um, that after? Because if there's a whole teaser for that, mm. you would think that's further along than um, Infinity Wars, wouldn't you? It is, yeah. So that's before Infinity War. No, no, it's after Infinity War. I'm oh, really? Sure. Yeah. Uh, let me have a look. Because Infinity War is... Because I thought they were just starting production on that, whereas Black Panther, it seems like they've finished... Let me have a look. ...principal look. photography let's see, is let's the see. industry term. I think you're busting real terms, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I'm wrong. Black Panther's February, and then Avengers is after that. I think Avengers is like June. Okay, yeah. I'll just confirm that because I want to know. Uh, Avengers is April. Okay. So again, that thing again this year where like every month there's going to be a superhero film. Mm. Good work, guys. And then we'll get a Dark Universe film as well to throw into that. Yeah, I mean, if it hasn't already fallen apart. I haven't watched Mummy yet, but it's not been reviewing well, unfortunately. So The worst thing I read was that someone who I put in my top five heroines last week is getting panned as well. Oh, uh, so the girl who... Annabelle Wallace? Ah, oh, the blonde woman, yeah. What was I... She was in Peaky Blinders. She was saying, yeah. Yeah, I was reading that she's just there to be like a damsel in distress. I've heard that, that, yeah. That is not... Mm. In the week that one woman comes yeah. out, like... <laughs> I just think that, like, the scope is too large. I was talking to someone about it last week, and I understand that everyone, like, is in a rush to build these universe films, but you have to kind of think about, like, the character you're using. Like, with... The, if you think about the first Iron Man film, like, it's so small. Like, it's just him versus another guy in a metal suit. And, of course... There's the whole Afghanistan thing in the middle, but for the most part, it's just, you know, one man's journey. And maybe if they had have known that it was going to become <laughs> this big universe, they might have gone bigger mm. and taken a bigger risk. But it's like, look, just... When it's one character, it doesn't need to be an Avengers-level film. Mm. Like, yeah, I feel like it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, even Iron Man 3 is very stripped back. Like, it's, you know, he doesn't wear the suit for, like, yeah. 70% of the film, you know what I mean? Like, it's just him. Like, and I think that's the problem with a lot of these kind of universes that are starting up. Like... Everyone's yeah, like, we're going to do big spectacles so people go and see them. It's like, no, focus on your character, focus on your story, get that right. If that's good, people will come. Yeah. Don't worry. Like, people well, people aren't them. sick of... People aren't going to get sick of movies. See, this is like... I do like the DC universe. Mm. But like... Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I wouldn't have minded more uh, origin films first because people aren't like going to compare... Like, people will go see a Wonder Woman film or a Flash film 
Mm. And they'll see an Avengers film. Like, I don't understand why they need to catch up. You know yeah. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I think maybe the concern is, and I disagree with it, but I think the concern is that maybe DC are like, eh, people don't really, if you're not a comic book fan, we don't really know Aquaman. You don't really know The Flash. So mm. we'll introduce them in these movies and then spin them off. But no one knew what Guardians of the Galaxy was. Yeah, that's right. And it was one of the biggest films of 2014. Like, no, like they were like, well, we're doing Ant-Man. And yeah, we've done, you know, Thor. Let's just do, like, this comic book from the 60s that no one remembers. Let's make a movie out of that. Yeah. Like, they keep taking risks and focusing on story. And that's, you know, why it works. And, like, I will argue that a lot of the Avengers films, the Marvel films, have gotten bigger. But it, the first ones are generally pretty small. Like, you know... Thor. Thor 1 is like... Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I mean, unfortunately, I don't really like that Thor movie, okay. but... I mean, I do like it, but it's my least favourite. What's your sort of, like, what, what is it? Like, why do you hate it so much? I don't hate it. Um, no, why is I it? Really, I really the problem I have with the first it. Thor film is I think that it needs more development. I don't think it kind of tells everything we need to hear. Like, I, last week I said that Wonder Woman is kind of Captain America 1 and Thor 1, but doesn't better. Mm. And the, the reason being that we spent all this time with Themyscira, and once we left, we didn't go back... And I was never like, oh, I have unanswered questions about the mm. mascara. And like, then when we go into like her main story, or, like the, kind of the Earthbound stuff, I was never like, oh, like oh, I need to know more about like the stories are told completely. And I think there's a lot of jumping back and forth in the first Thor film, and we kind of spend an hour on Asgard, an hour on Earth, but never really do too much development. And then their big kind of fight is the Destroyer, mm. and that's kind of not really all that. Like, I don't think there's enough story in there I think there's a lot of visuals and there's a lot of kind of trying to characterise stuff and like trying to characterise Thor on Earth and like him being kind of out of place mm. but I don't think they tell a lot of story like mm. everyone's like Loki is <laughs> amazing that's ama-. fair enough people yeah. are like Loki's amazing I'm like he is in Avengers yeah. like he's kind of keep, like there's seeds of stuff in Thor but I just don't think yeah. it. so when people criticise the second one I'm like did you guys see the first one but the second one is way cooler like yeah like the ending's a bit of a CGI mess but Use that phrase a lot. That's gonna be like on a t-shirt soon. <laughs> but like the first two acts are super strong. Like him, like rescuing Loki and betraying mm. like Asgard. And I don't really like the villains from the second one. That elf guy, which and, I understand. And I don't like the whole Natalie Portman storyline. No, and that I understand as well. Like, <clears> and I, I also know that I'm in the minority when mm. I say that I really like the. Dark I really Wars. like both of them equally. Mm. Like, I'm just, I just love, I just love that style because it's all like Nordic and Viking yeah. and, but modern and spacey. And that's why I get really confused when people say audiences are going to get superhero fatigue soon because even though you know, they're, all, they're all different Yeah, like whilst the results might be very similar, like I remember we walked out of Ant-Man I was like, what do you think? And he was like, yeah it's fine but like I knew it was going to happen because they always win mm. But and that's fine because they're morality tales but like and maybe Ant-Man is the closest thing to Iron Man because it's a yeah. guy in a suit and we have kind of seen that before. Yeah. And it was just two guys in suits fighting at the end. Yeah. But like Iron Man is very different to Thor which is very different to Incredible Hulk mm. which is very different to uh, Captain Whereas, America the first Avenger. Oh no, see I would disagree with you there. I would say as a non-comic book type person mm. um, I would say that, you know, um, Ant-Man and Captain America and Iron Man are all very much in the same thread. Like, with well, Captain I, I, America. I'm talking about the first films, because the first Captain America no, I'm to- film... Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about in general. Like, yeah. in general, they're very much with the same thread. It's really your Guardians that's different. It's really your Thor that's different. Mm. It's really your... Uh, what else have we seen? Uh, I'm just trying to think now. Um, 
No, I think we've listed all the sequels because yeah. it's just Avengers. And then yeah. when you look into when you look into the DC universe, you know that whole Batman and Superman really fits into the same thread as Iron Man and Ant mm. Man and, and and Captain America. Whereas really, your Wonder Woman's like a bit more different from like that. Thor. So, so we thought, yeah. Well, I was right. the only reason I say Captain America the first Avenger because those first four films, the first five films, <coughs> like Iron Man is is about a guy who's a tech genius. And he's kind of the cause of most of the problems they end up fighting. Yeah. And the Hulk is essentially like a, a Frankenstein story. And then Captain America First Avenger is a war film. And then Thor... No, no, no. I, I know, what, you, I know mm. what you're going with with mm. that. But even to melt it down to its even more basic yeah. structures, it's literally like man gets suit, becomes strong, saves <coughs> world. Yeah. Man gets suit, Becomes strong, saves world. Or if I like, sort of thing. as I heard, whereas broke... Thor is very different mm. from that, and Wonder Woman is different mm. from that. Um, I, I heard it broken down once on the, sh- the podcast, where it's like, guy gets told not to do the thing, he does, does the, the thing. thing, it causes problems, so then he ends up doing the thing again, but this time it works. Yeah, like, that's exactly right. Um, do you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I meant when I saw Ant Man. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but we've seen this before, yeah. um, sort of thing. But I think like a lot of people. I mean, look, that's that's a valid point as well. But I think, like, when people do complain about the fatigue, I'm like, most of the films are very different. Like, and like the same characters going to have very similar films, unfortunately. Like, mm. they'll have different villains and different kind of emotional journeys. But Iron Man is always going to get in that suit. Um, yeah. And like, the Guardians are always going to be in space for the most part. Like, mm. but at least when it comes to each individual property, it's kind of its own genre within the superhero. For the it most is, part, like even is. even Captain America: Winter Soldier, which I know you didn't like, was not a superhero film at all. It was a spy movie that just happened to have a guy wearing a suit. Like it was actually like more of an espionage thriller mm. than anything else. Um, and Civil War is probably like maybe the least inventive out of them because it's just people like fr- friends mm. fighting and stuff, but mm. it still works. Um, anyway, we were talking about that. I don't know how we got onto the subject. Black but Panther. Black Panther. Once I think there's a few topics. Marvel being one. Um, Game of Thrones being another, where once we start, we can spiral very quickly. Yeah. Mm. But again, like we haven't had an African American superhero. Well, we have. We had Blade in the nineties. We haven't had anything since. Mm. And this is the first one where I think it's a more heroic character. Like Blade was a, a murderer. <laughs> like whereas, like you know, we had Luke Cage on Netflix last year, which was fantastic. Mm. But I think this is like as important a film as Wonder Woman. Um, oh, absolutely. I don't understand why the Avengers don't recruit Luke Cage because he's indestructible, basically. Yeah, like the yeah. others. Are, oh, and I suppose Jessica Jones as well because she's got very similar powers, doesn't she? Maybe mm. I don't think she's bulletproof. No, she's not, <laughs> but she is. Um, she can basically fly, fly and, and she and can she lift, punch really hard and stuff. Yeah, but you know, like the others, oh, Iron Fist as well. But like, yeah. so Daredevil, I could conceivably <laughs> see. You leave him at city level because he's well, like a Daredevil is basically Spider Man. Like Spider Man just has the artificial webbing, but in terms of like <laughs> his abilities, he is enhanced. But like Daredevil is Daredevil is the closest thing to Batman in that universe yeah. because he is like a prime physical. Uh, he's like a peak condition and stuff. Yeah. So, um, um, and and you know like and what? if you got Black Black Widow in there, like you can definitely put Daredevil in there. Yeah, but yeah. So I was just thinking like bring in Luke Cage and he'll just like take mm. take a few bullets and. I wonder how that stands up against, like, space lasers and stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. But you think, you know, like, um... Oh, no, the Hulk would smash him, wouldn't you? Yeah. Smash him. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'd be interesting. I would like to see that fight. Yeah. Um, cool. That's all the trailers we've watched. I think but so. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. 
Even if I don't sound super excited. <laughs> Should we get into the topic of the week? On with the show. Or do you want me to talk about... No, no, we'll do that topic and then that way, like, we'll get through that and then if we have time, we can do other things as well. Guys, this week we decided... Well, Nick chose the topic. Do you want to introduce it, Nick? Yeah, it was... Well, what do we actually... Um, you say it and then if it needs altering on. Well, I, mine was originally... This was a throwback to a topic James and I were going to do, I think, one of the weeks Tina was away, but we didn't end up podcasting. Yeah, the first time we did it, it was... Well, it was, yeah. It we was, did the, the ultimate fights, and then the next week we were going to do it, because Tina was yeah, sick. Yeah, and it was going to be like... Surprise, I'm sick again. <laughs> top five, like, underrated movies, and I guess by that I think we were planning to do, like, you know, films that we don't, we love, but we don't think gets enough, like, credit. Mm, well, then, I think it was also obscure, t- like, we kind of go, like, well, you said hidden gems. Yeah. So, I think it's, like, consider this a combination of, like, hidden gems slash underrated yeah, so if, some, some of them you probably won't have heard of. I guess we could just say films that haven't got the attention they deserve. Yeah. That kind of covers all bases. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, cool, well, it's your topic, man, so do you want to lead? Yeah, sure. Alright, I'll start with an, an oldie but a goodie. We might have to give some synopses as well because some of us at the table might have heard of the films either. So. Oh, I'm sure not many people will have heard of mine. It's... I'm sure everybody will have heard of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's okay because we're still going for underappreciated. So yeah. yeah. As this is a yeah covers covers a few different areas. So my first one is Dog Day Afternoon. That's that's a Pacino film. It is uh, yeah Al Pacino. Uh, it be it must be in the seventies. I mean there was a period where he did this film Serpico where he played yeah. a cop, and this is right around that time. Yeah. And he plays a um, this guy who goes in and rolls a bank. Actually got that that really um, well renowned actor who I've never seen anything else he's done. Uh, he was in Deer Hunter or something. Okay. Um, What's his name? And he played um, Michael's brother in The Godfather. Oh, James Kahn? No, no. no. You look at Go. go I look at up. Yeah, you look at up while I explain the synopsis. So he, he robs a bank, um, and you don't really know why he's doing it, and the, the bank gets surrounded. Really great performance by Al Pacino, by the way. And the twist is at the end that he's like. Oh, the one who played Fredo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, John Casale. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have known him by name, but oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That guy, he's one of those guys who like died quite young and he's like really well renowned and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the twist is he's like he because uh, he's he's a married guy and the wife is like I don't know why he's doing it and at the end he's doing it to like uh, help his his like gay boyfriend get like a, a sex change. Oh, okay. So this really twist comes out of nowhere. I haven't seen this, so that's the, I mean I was always it was always on my list, but now like he's really selling. So yeah. Um, and it's. One of the, the reasons I love it, uh, I, I bought it without having seen it because I was going through this like Pacino period. Mm. But it's just like it's him in his prime. I mean, if you like him in The Godfather, it's right around that time. It's tough to be The Godfather. He's so good. In that yeah, and he's just like handsome, charismatic, and he's just on top of his game. So Tina's a big fan of seventies uh, Pacino. Mm. Yeah, so I really recommend it. Dog Day Afternoon. Nice. Me. You. Okay, so. Uh, like I said, my list my list is is full of movies that everybody's going to know. Um, so I interpreted the list as um, movies that every on everybody actually. I'm going to go through my list, and you guys are all going to be like, "Yeah, everybody says it's a good movie," but like movies that you don't generally think of first off when you go, you know, what movie could I watch or, or something like that. So underappreciated in that. In that sense. So my number five is um, Stand By Me. Okay. Um, which is um, 
uh, I can't give you much information about it. It's basically based on the um, Stephen King novella. Um, and it's about classic Stephen King. It's about a whole bunch of boys who go on a trip um, to find a dead body. And they find themselves along the way. Um, and I'm pretty sure I've had it on a list for one of my um, previous lists beforehand. In fact, 90% of the movies that I have on this list are movies that I've said recently. Um, but yeah, no, it's just really good. Like, really strong performances from all the kids. I mean, these are just, like, little kids and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I think not a lot of people, like, uh, have either heard of this film or, like, when they think Stephen King film, they don't think this one. I would That's agree. Sure. Like, I wouldn't worry about, like, being like, oh, this is probably one of those I mean, I haven't seen it. I still haven't seen it <laughs> yeah, by me. And I would argue yeah. that a lot of people probably haven't. Like, a lot more than you would think. Yeah. That's Especially, what if, like, I, I would say, like, if... our age and younger probably haven't. Because yeah. is it a. It's 80s, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Cast is pretty top-notch yeah, when you look back is, through it. it absolutely is. I don't really know Will Wheaton. Uh, he's, um, he, he he's appears on Big Bang Big Theory Bang a lot. Theory, yeah. He's also, like an, I think he's one of the Nerdist guys. He does a lot of game reviews. He's been around for... Yeah. Yeah. He was in Star Trek as well. Um, yeah. But River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry yeah. O'Connell, mm-hmm. Kiefer. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just a really great movie. We had to study it for English last year. So Rob Reiner film, um, isn't it? Oh... Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is that, this is the movie that got him misery. Oh, okay. Because yep. um, uh, like, uh, they didn't want to adapt misery. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, that's a classic book. Like, mm. maybe don't touch it. And even Stephen King was like, oh, I don't know. And then he saw Stand by Me. Is like, I will let you guys make it if this guy makes it. Yeah. Like, and that's what. Got and him. that's the thing. When you think Stephen King, you instantly think Horror. either Shining, um, which is the first thing you think of, or you think of It. Mm. Or if you're a little bit more um, knowledgeable, you think of Misery, but you don't generally think of Stand By Me or like Dreamcatcher or something like or, that. Or um, Hearts in Atlantis. Yeah, absolutely. Green so, Mile. Um, Shawshank. Go on. Yeah, you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Stand By Me is number, my number five. And obviously cool. it plays the amazing song Stand By Me, mm. which is really good. Yeah. Mm. So we've got 70s, 80s. Yours, that's 90s and 90s. Uh, mine's 80s as well, unfortunately. Oh. Um, so most of the movies on my list are horror films, um, because they tend to be the ones that maybe get the least exposure. They're going to be like all obscure ones that we've never heard of. Like this is a Korean, no, Serbian, no, 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 no. They're Korean, Serbian. They're all American horror films. I think I only have one foreign film on here, and that's in my honourable mentions. Uh, but they're all American. Um, so this is a film from the 1980s, and it's always forgotten because people always like. Praise the Blair Witch Project as being the original found footage film, mm. horror film, and it's not. Back in the 80s, an Italian director named Ruggiero Diodato made a film called Campbell Holocaust. Um, it's the first found footage film, and essentially the premise is that a camera crew went into the Amazon to like meet, to like, kind of like interview and video a tribe, and they no one like the production company didn't hear from them. So they sent a second camera crew in to go and find them. And it turns out that yeah, this tribe is a, a bunch of can- uh, like a bunch of cannibals. Um, it can be hard to watch. Like, there's a lot of violence in there. Um, there are actual, real depictions of animal violence as well because the tribe they filmed Aww. were an- yeah. It wasn't it? I actually think uh, that this film came up at some point on uh, the Dollar Squad podcast. It probably did, yeah. And um, wasn't there something like they? Ate and or killed a monkey or well the tribe the tribe that they shot were a real tribe it wasn't actors and they were like look if you're going to kill these animals anyway then let us show you how to do it because we eat them mm. so like instead of just killing them for your movie 
like we'll show we'll show you how we do it and yeah. we'll eat them in that way like no one's dying like nothing's dying for the sake of it most of it's actually pretty hard, pretty fine the hardest one to watch is probably uh the monkey or the turtle um they also they kill a snake and they kill a pig and then the other two animals um and the other ones as well they do as well but you can watch on the blu-ray now they do have a version of the film which uh you can watch without the animal violence mm. if you're not into that which I think most people aren't into it. Like, you yeah. can skip it. I will say that does maybe take away from the impact of the film a little bit, but now that I've seen it, I never need to see that version again. I can mm. happily watch the regular version. Mm. Um, there's also some violence against women in it as well because it's this kind of culture that's messed up a little bit. Um, but a, an interesting fact as well about this film is that when it was released, the director was told his actors, he was like, don't come out and do press interviews, I want you guys to stay away. Where pretends the real documentary wanted to get a feel like it, and he got arrested because they thought that he actually like killed all these actors yeah. and stuff. So had to come out and like prove they were still alive and stuff. Um, but it's fantastic. Like it's mesmerizing. The score is beautiful and haunting. Like every time I hear that song, I'm like like the main theme. I'm like this is really beautiful. But oh, I feel really unsettled by listening to it and stuff yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, if you're a horror buff and you love this paranormal activity movies. Watch a real found footage film. Like, watch this. Like, it's so good. The performances are great. Um, and yeah, if you don't want to see animals get hurt, which, again, you really don't want to, watch the the censored version, and it's really enjoyable as a horror fan. So, Cannibal Holocaust is my number five. Okay. Uh, obscure choice, but actually, surprisingly, I had heard of it, though. Yeah. There, um, de- there's, de- there's definitely at least one or two on there you probably haven't heard of. Yeah, so. cool. But that's a, well, that's a hidden gem for me. Alrighty, so my fourth, number four in my hidden gems, yeah. my fourth hidden gem, you might say, uh, is a film called The Boondock Saints. Okay, I have heard of it, but I have not seen it. So it's um, came on the wave of like the Kill Bill-style uh, Tarantino-influenced uh, uh, like, um, directors, so there's a lot of time changes and stuff. Mm. Like the, the main detective is played by Willem Dafoe, and he'll turn up at a crime after it's happened, and then... He's like a genius detective, so he listens to classical music and then figures it out, and this is how it happened. And it's these two Irish brothers who are, um, they're vigilantes, yep. so they are like taking out mob figures and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I saw this when I was 12, 13, and it's got the kind of violence I loved as a kid. So, like, they're climbing in through this uh, air duct in the roof to, like, um, kill this, like, hotel room full of uh, mafia people. And they're like arguing the thing and they drop down <laughs> and there's rope caught on their feet. So they're swinging around <laughs> upside down and they're just like shooting everyone. Um, and then I watched it recently because uh, a friend of mine, Simon, had the DVD. Yeah, I think this came on Doll Squad as well. Yeah. I, think I was there for it. Yeah, so it's, uh, I saw it for the first time in about 10 years and it, it doesn't really hold up. It's, it's lame in the kind mm. of way that films in the early 2000s were. It's, I think it's 90s, isn't it? Because it's before Kill Bill. I think it was inspired by Pop Fiction. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, so um, 90s. So I, I wouldn't have seen it in a long time. But yeah, it's, mm. um, I don't know, worth a watch if you like a, a, a laugh. Yeah, I'll probably check it out. I still do want to see because I actually find the story behind the film very fascinating, which is the director was just a bartender who wrote yeah. a script and then they financed the film and he was just a complete jerk to everyone. Like, he, like... The shoots went on longer than they should have. He kept asking for more money. He was like, "You guys understand? I'm a genius. Like, I've got this vision." <laughs> yeah, like just a horrible guy. Like, oh uh, well, and they actually made a second one, which again, it wasn't very good. All Saints Day. Yeah, um, but the cast is surprisingly good. I mean, yeah. you've got Willem Dafoe 
playing the main detective. Um, Daryl. Daryl from uh, Norman Reedus. Yeah, Sean Norman Patrick Reed. Flannery. Yes, that's and Billy right. Connolly. Yeah, Billy Connolly play, playing a koala, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you a picture of him in the, in the film. But what's Sean Patrick Flannery from? I haven't seen him in That's it. probably his biggest thing, I think. He was also in what, the last Saw movie. Okay, um, yeah, so no, he is... I just assumed that because you knew him, that like he'd been in something else. But yeah, no, I just um, I just watched a video store, so I knew video covers. Yeah, uh, he's probably something I'm just looking up now. Um, so I would say, yeah, Boondock is the biggest thing, and then he was in yeah Powder, um, and Saw 3D, and like a couple of little ones as well. I oh, was in Dexter at one point. Yeah, but yeah, not much. I would say check it out if you love sort of like cheesy action. Yeah. It's, it's not a great shot, but that's what Billy Connolly looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing Billy Connolly in more serious stuff. Like, yeah. It's very rare. It's always cool. Tanner? Cool. Um, so my number four is an animated movie. Yep. Um, and this is a movie that um, I even sort of underrated as a as a child because um, I I went when I was a kid like there was a certain period of time when Disney movies were like my Disney movies so you know how like you know if you're a bit older than us you would have grown up with The Little Mermaid and Cinderella and you know if you're a bit younger than us you would have grown up with like I don't know iCarly or something yeah <laughs> I think Cinderella you'd be if you were a lot older than us yes yeah, so I know. Um, so mine is actually The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I would, again, like, I would say yeah. that's underrated. I, mean, I haven't seen it myself, but yeah. like, that's one that never comes up. That's exactly right. It's one that never comes up, and it's actually really good. Like, um, I watched it again recently, and when I say recently, I mean like you know in the last six months sort of thing, um, because it was on Netflix. And yeah, I forgot <laughs> like, how, how good it was. I can see why it's sort of like passed at the wayside mm. because it's not it's not a kids movie at all just because it's animated doesn't it's like like it's not a movie that you would show your kids at a young age it's a movie that you would show your kids when they're like maybe grade six grade year seven because it's really got a lot to do with like um you know uh, how to deal with kids with disabilities, with, who who look different, who are outcasts and stuff like that. It's got a real like massive moral to the story and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not it's not lighthearted. It's not uh, fun sort of thing. It mm. really is quite. Dark. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. It is really quite mm. dark, but it is really, really good, and it's got some really good songs in it as well. Like, I mean, just one example: the the main evil guy Frollo. Um, you know, he he is in love. Well, I don't say no. Sorry, he's not in love. He's like sexually infatuated with Esmeralda, the gypsy, and but because she's a gypsy and he's like a priest and he's like you know she's she sent. There's this whole song that he sings where he's like. You know, heaven, like, Father, why did you send this demon to come and test me and all this kind of stuff like mm. that? And, he t- and like, he's like, if, she, if if I can't have her, no one can. And then he tries to burn her at the stake. Oh, you're really selling this film. Yeah. I really want to see this now. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, totally rad. Um, it has George Costanza in it. Apparently. It does. He plays is one he, of the gargoyles. Is it a fat one? 
He does play the fat guy. Just like yeah. Danny Vito play like the fat cherub thing in Hercules. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and, and oh, it's a it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> um, wrong wrong franchise. Uh, yeah, no, it's obviously you know like a story from what is it like the eighteen hundreds or something like that. Very skinny wizard. <laughs> um, and it's also a, a it's a Broadway musical as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Good one. Mm. Uh, my number four is uh, we mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy before. <laughs> this is director James Gunn's debut film, starring Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker, and it's called Slither. And it's a sci-fi horror film, and it's all about this alien invasion, and essentially these little slugs that kind of contaminate and uh, kind of take over human hosts, and they kind of uh, become deformed and more like monstrous as they get more infected. Um, yeah, one of the women gets full of them, like she becomes a giant human ball in a barn and she explodes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a light hearted romp that's also very violent and gruesome, but really fun. Like, I remember I saw this for the first time, probably the year it came out. Actually, I was, I was still at high school, and the DVD came out. It was the first time I'd seen Nathan Fillion in anything. I hadn't watched Firefly at that point, and it was just one of the most different, like, fun movies I've ever, ever seen. So some people might have heard of it, and if you're if people have like like me and they see a movie like and then go back. A lot of people who've seen Guardians of the Galaxy might have gone and watched a few more James Gunn films. It's for a debut film. It's so interesting and different and and fun. Like as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, I had to have it. I'm like, I gotta get this. Cause I gotta watch it again. And mm. it's I haven't watched it in a couple of years now, but I just watched it. It definitely held up. Like it's just so so fun and gross and mm. like Michael Rooker like is cons- uh, is married to Elizabeth Banks, I think in it, and like he gets more and more deformed. He keeps like trying to hit on her and like. <laughs> Get romantically involved, and she ends up like falling in love with Nathan Fillion, and like he's the sheriff and stuff. Yeah, um, it's a really yeah fun, gruesome film. So and not scary. So like it's not like a it's not upsetting like Hannibal Holocaust is like this one. Yeah, anyone can pretty much watch. Like as long as they don't mind getting a few little gross things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, super fun. No, and like you can tell the kind of filmmaker James Gunn was going to become after watching. It's like the tone is very similar. Like in all of his films, he's yeah. Similar. I feel like he's his. Uh, ability to shoot like humor yeah. is really not underrated because I guess he's a pretty big director these days, yeah. but definitely one of his strengths. Yeah, um, and that's where it started, and it's great. Like, mm. if people haven't seen it, get on it because it's so much fun. Excellent. Number three. Number three, mine is a Roman Polanski film. Okay. Uh, it's actually relatively modern, it's within the last sort of 10 years or so. Mm. It's called Ghost Writer. Okay. Not, not to be confused with Nicolas Cage's Ghost, Ghost Rider. Rider. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's 100 cent less burning skulls. <laughs> um, that should be the tagline. <laughs> and it stars Ewan McGregor. Okay. Uh, also has Pierce Brosnan. This would be one of his first post-Bond roles. Oh, actually, not one of his first. I'm sure it's like five or six years after. Uh, and actually, Kim Cattrall, who's good in it. <laughs> yeah. I think when she's not in that TV show, she's pretty good. Yeah, like, she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just fantastic. It's it's a real companion piece in terms of mood and the way it's shot to David Finch's remake of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. I don't know. Have you guys seen that I one? I have. Um, it's similar in the sense that Ewan McGregor goes to this island. It's really like a grey... It's like set on a beach, but it's like one of those like grim... Yeah, like, you don't want to go to it. Yeah. Um... And he's going to basically like um, write the memoirs of Pierce Brosnan, who's like a disgraced former 
British Prime Minister. Okay. Uh, and he sort of gets deeper and deeper into like what because uh, there was a, a international incident like with a I think he dropped a bomb or something. Like it's been a few years, so I can't remember what it was. Um, and oh, should I spoil the ending? No, I won't spoil, spoil the ending. ending. You're selling me on it, so no, no, it, it's really great. You remember he puts in a great performance, uh, and it's just. If I had to sum it up, I'd say it's moody. Like, the whole... Um, it's very, like... The colour palette is, like, a lot of greys and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so... No, fantastic film. Nice. I recommend it. Cool. Cool. Uh, my number three is a tie. Uh, both of these movies, you could argue, you know, are well-known. So, when I say underappreciated, I kind of feel like, you know... When you think of like, um, and again, they're animated movies. When you think of animated movies, I don't think you necessarily think of these ones. So um, my first tie is Emperor's New Groove, great movie. which is a great movie. First one on the forget how good that movie. First one is. on both your list that I've seen, like so far. So yeah, and the second one is Chicken Run. I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh no, I have. I have seen yeah. Chicken Run. Sorry, I was thinking Chicken. Chicken Little. Run is so good. <laughs> And I know it's like, you know... Um, That's good timing, actually, because yeah, what's yeah. his name? Um, uh, we didn't mention before, the guy who played Wallace from Osmond actually passed away this week as well. Oh, really? Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so I just think those two movies, like, they took my equal third spot because um, even though they're movies that people might have uh, seen and, and watched from their childhood, they might have, like... So we've forgotten and gone, you know mm. what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Chicken Run is really good. Emperor's mm. New Groove is really funny. Emperor's New Groove is great. Like, <coughs> when you when you see the name David Spade in the lead role, I think a lot of people are turned off by that, yeah. but he's really good in it. And John Goodman, like, gives this really heartfelt performance. Like, it's such a sad story for most of it. Um, Patrick Warburton <laughs> is great um, as... Kronk, is it? Is yeah. it Kronk, the yeah, assistant? Kronk. And he's like making his own theme music and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love him for his new group. Mm, and I love Chicken Run as well. I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. <laughs> is that, is Mel Gibson in that one? Oh, yeah, I think he plays the, the, the rooster. Yeah, I think Mel, Mel Gibson yeah, is like in the Yeah, like the sexy rooster. Yeah. Nice, nice one. Mm. So can I've I, seen those two as well. Can I just interject? Go for it. Way off topic. Does anyone remember the film with Mel Gibson called What Women Want? Yes. <laughs> what a I never stupid film that was. He it. like gets electrocuted and he can hear everything women oh, are thinking. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He can hear what women are thinking. My mum right. hired it when I was very young. Um, <laughs> and I remember watching it. And I remember the time I like, oh, that's kind of funny. But I was like 12 when I saw yeah. it. So. The only joke I remember was like, surprisingly, like this joke was on TV. And it was like, because Jennifer Aniston was in it too, wasn't no, she? No, Helen Hunt. Oh, Helen yeah, Hunt, that's right. Yeah. And she like, she sees Mel Gibson naked and he can hear her thoughts when she's looking yeah. at his penis. Yeah, I see. That's exactly what I remember yeah. too. Oh, God. I've forgotten about that, but so now I do remember that exact scene, yeah. Is he, is he shaving his legs at the time as well or something? Oh, I, or? I don't know. I'm not too sure. It's really... Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> we spent more time on this film than deserves probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number three is... Another uh, 80s film. It's not the first superhero film I saw, but it's definitely one of my favourites. Um, it was directed by this guy, Lloyd Kaufman, who founded his own filmmaking studio back in the 80s called Troma. And essentially they were like independent filmmakers. We're going to make whatever movies we want. We're mm. just going to... Um, we're going to fund ourselves. We're going to make the movies we want for, the, for our own core audience. So they're kind of the first guys doing it. Um, 
And actually, James Gunn wrote one of the films. Maybe he directed one of the films as well. Maybe Slither isn't his first film. But he was definitely involved with them. The guy from South Park were involved with Trauma as well. But the film that started this entire company was a film called The Toxic Avenger. Mm. Um, and it's set in the first superhero from New Jersey. You know what? So, sorry to interrupt. But I totally... Because Toxic Avenger is also a musical as well. They've turned it into a musical. Yeah, yeah. And I'm totally going to do that one year at the school. I don't know if you'd be able to. It's very adult. They did Urine Town as a senior school play. Um, I don't know what the musical for Toxic Avenger is yeah. like, but the um, the movie is super fun. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as, as 80s as you can get. It's about this, 80, like this nerd who works at a gym as like the mop boy. Um, and like the, these cool kids come in, like they're always bullying him. And then one of them sort of play, play a prank on him. So they get these like two like sexy girls to come in their bikinis and strip in front of him and like mm. think they're gonna like sleep with him. And like in his uh, foolishness and like he gets swept up in all and they dump him in toxic waste. <laughs> like that's the prank. Yeah, it's a harsh prank, isn't it? And then um or maybe he just maybe they kind of expose him and then like it is Shane he gets anyway, he ends up in toxic waste and he comes this giant mutant um, known as a toxic avenger and he cleans up crime with a mop. Yeah, um, and it's so cheesy and stupid, but I'm not even kidding. It's fantastic. Like it just got re-released on Blu-ray, and I, I just keep putting off buying. I will get it eventually. And I think it's so brilliant because the sequel is so bad. Like not so bad. It's good. Just like oh, it's so disappointing in comparison. But it's a really fun, silly movie. Super violent. Lots of nudity, which is very typical of those '80s horror films. Um, like. The villains are like street gangs who wear leather jackets yeah. and stuff. And they run over kids and stuff. And like I remember, I bought Lloyd Kaufman's book about making movies. And to achieve the kid's head exploding, because they run over a kid and you see his head explodes, <laughs> they like got a, like a grapefruit and injected it with fake blood. Yeah. So then when like they put like a, a mannequin or whatever on the ground and put their and like put in a wig on it so you couldn't see its face, but since the carcass was just this explosion of blood, and yeah. that's how they achieved the effect. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but Toxic Avenger, super fun movie, and another one that like I, I can't sell <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust to everyone, but Slither and Toxic Avenger, I will not back down on that. Yeah, great. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind checking that out because yeah. um, I really enjoyed that film. Uh, Simon, let me. Um, you know, the name escapes me now. You know, where the nerds like create that. Oh, weird science. Weird science. Yeah. It's nothing like that. <laughs> like it's definitely like way more adult and violent stuff. But, oh, okay, yeah. And it's definitely has a homemade feel to it as well. Like it's not. It's probably visually closer to the room. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the way it looks and stuff. Like, it's not like this beautifully yeah. shot film or whatever, but and it's... shit on dual cameras. Yeah, <laughs> not, not quite that, but yeah. <laughs> Dos. Number two. Is it time to tell you who number two works for? <laughs> <laughs> Every week, Dos, and yeah. who does number two work for? Mine is very much a, a love... Number two is a love letter to New York and Woody Allen films. I think I've mentioned it before in the show. I just saw the title of it, and you definitely did. I know. I remember okay. you told me so about it. So yeah, it's five to seven. Yeah, yeah. I think you talked about it on our Valentine's Day episode. Possibly, yeah. I know I brought it up. I tell everyone about this film, and yet no one watches it. I still haven't watched it, but I like you sold me on it. I just haven't got a rant up. I do want to see it. Yeah. So uh, I mean, the, the cast is fantastic. Uh, obviously, Anton Yelchin, who unfortunately has passed away, so we won't get anything, any more output from him. But he's fantastic. Berenice Marlowe, who people will know from Skyfall. Okay. She's the Bond girl in that. Uh, his parent, he's a writer, and his parents are Frank Langella and Glenn Close. Yep. Um, just a really great. It's it's a romance, um, and it's New York pretty much plays a character <laughs> in it. It's very yep. much set on the streets of New York. Um, the ending 
I wouldn't say it's a twist ending, but it doesn't end. There's not the happy ending that you would assume comes from it. Um, five to seven is a type of romance that they obviously a Parisian thing, mm. uh, which is just an acceptable uh, relationship to have outside of a marriage. Where from um, five to seven, you have this other person you go see, mm. uh, and then you just that's all it is. But they both want more out of it, so I would recommend that, recommend that to anyone. I mean, if you like Woody Allen films at all, struggling not to say Woody Harrelson films, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you'd really enjoy this. So. Nice, and no one seems to have watched this film. No, yeah. but I'm still, I still want to say, like, you sold me on it last time, I just haven't got around to it, but I do want to say it. It's a short and sweet one. What's the running time? Hour and, hour and a half. So. Nice. Oh, wow, that is short. Uh, so my number two and my number one are both movies that I've mentioned on lists previously um, and also recently. Uh, my number two is the great comedy Brain Donors. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Gotta watch it, man. It's I have. Good. I remember, I think you were talking about it. When did we do childhood films? Two weeks ago? Uh, I think it was like two weeks ago. I remember and you brought it up and I have seen it. Actually, Tina showed you a clip from Oh, it. wait. No, yeah, the, sorry. The ballet yeah. clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And it's just like, I get why. I get why it's not popular. Uh, because, you know, why, why watch those three guys when you could watch the Three Stooges? But it's just classic. It's just really, really good. And it's totally my childhood. And yet, nobody's like heard of it so i gotta sell it as much as i can basically it's really funny i can back it up you met like you told me to to get it and we watched it and i couldn't believe how much i enjoyed it i remember yeah. like the opening scene i was like what is this yeah. like and then by the end of it, i was in hysterics so. yeah that's right you just gotta give it a bit of time <laughs> um my number two is a movie that i will never uh convince tina to watch which is fine because i don't think either. i wouldn't want you to watch it anyway uh, it's directed by a guy named Brian Johnson. Now, you probably won't know the name because he's not famous at all. Uh, at best, he's probably known as the best friend of Kevin Smith. Um, and in the 90s, when Kevin Smith like sold clerks and had a deal with Miramax, he got the, he essentially got like this deal where he could finance a bunch of films as well. So all his friends would never want to make films. He let them like make their own movies as well. Um, and one of them was this little film called Volga. Um and it's about it stars the guy who plays Dante and Clerks and it's about a guy who's a children's entertainer and he loves being a clown but he can't support himself financially off it so he decides to become a clown for like adult parties as well like a strippergram type thing um, and kind of play pranks on like bachelor parties and whatnot uh, and the first time he gets called out to one of these adult ones he's uh, abused and, and raped by these hillbillies essentially mm. and then the film turns out to be um, this dramatic piece about him piecing his life back together and, like, does he get revenge or does he just, you know, try to move past it? Like, what does he do? It's a very independent film and it has no, like, big names in it. Like, the biggest name is the guy from Clerks. <laughs> like, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and Kevin Smith's in it briefly and Brian Quinn from Practical Jokers is in it briefly as well. But it's just... It's so different from anything I've seen before. And, like, the the writing style and the storytelling is so interesting and kind of cool and, and dark and, like, has a lot of levity to it as well. And it's one of those films that, like, yeah, again, like, no one's seen it. It's never had an Australian release. Um, so I had to, like, get it from, like, the Kevin Smith online store to watch it, and mm. I had to, like, watch it on a region-free player. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... Yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since I've watched it. It's probably been five or six years, and I've only seen it once, but I just remember, like... 
finding it so fascinating and so compelling. Like I still remember so many like elements from it. Like, and I was never bored. I was like wondering because like sometimes you watch indie films or like films with like very low budgets, the look can, can be hard to get past and stuff. But it's not. It's just really well done and really well told. And considering there's no kind of professional actors in it, like it's pretty well acted as well. Mm. Um, I, I recommended to James Carmen a long time ago, yeah. and it's like, oh, I think I would like that. Yeah. Now, would you say it's one you could, like, would you say to the audience, you should go out and watch it, or is it definitely a not for everyone kind of? It's not for everyone, definitely not, um, because it is very dark, and even though like it's not very graphic, um, and it's it's still pretty heavy, I would say. Mm. So it's not like um, like a Last House on the Left or. I spit in your grave, or even, or even girl with a dragon t- tattoo. Like it's not as graphic as that, yeah. but it still is. Like thematically, it's very dark and very heavy and stuff. But if you like film and you like weird kind of horror thriller movies, like it's worth checking out. Definitely, mm. if you can get your hands on it. Yeah, which doesn't sound like it's very an easy thing to. It do. wasn't easy, no. Mm. Alrighty, number one. I don't need my phone for that. Uh, it's. Probably, this one must be classed, I would say it's more underrated than a hidden gem because yeah. it's a David Fincher film. Okay. And he's such a big director that not many of his films are hidden gems. Yeah. It's 2007's Zodiac. Oh, I love Zodiac. Um, yeah, I've great film. I've heard of it, film. but I've never watched it. We've oh, got it. It's yeah. fantastic. And I'll tell you why right now, Tina. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, it's set in the 70s. The Zodiac killer was a serial killer who stalked San Francisco area, I'd say, the Bay Area, Yeah, I think it's set, uh, in the 70s, and they never actually found out who catches him. And the reason the film's so great is because, it took me a few watches to figure this out, and a few like videos talking about it, mm. it's not actually about catching the Zodiac Killer, because you do follow um, some police detectives, and also uh, Mark Ruffalo, who's a police detective, and also... Um, Robert Downey Jr. and... He's a journalist in that? Robert yeah, Downey he's Jr. a he's crime, great crime journalist. And uh, this was when, he was when he was on his way back up. It was before Iron Man. Yeah. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's really good at cracking the Zodiac codes and stuff like that. Uh, and it's, it's, not a, it's just more about the killings. So it's about how the police tried to catch him and stuff. And what's really clever is it shows the actual crimes as they happen. Mm. And in each of the different crimes, Zodiac Killer looks different. You don't really see his face, but mm. in some of them, some of them, he just looks like a normal, skinny guy, and other ones he looks really big. Mm. That's because like they enact reenacted that according to the uh, witness reports and stuff like that. So it's ultra realistic. So some people would have said, "Yeah, he was mm. this massive dude kind of thing." Mm. Um, and That's he, really cool. Yeah, and the the costume design and the sets and the, I mean the cars it just mm. looks so authentic you yeah. just would not it, I might go so far as to say that really cool. I, I might go so far as to say that it could be his best film yeah I, I almost think it is I mean I really like The Social Network really like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo I like, I like all this <laughs> everything of his that I've seen I've really liked but I think for the most part a lot of his stuff seems to be very stylized so like Fight Club I love mm. but like I, I listened to someone talk about it recently and they're like basically it's how to be an anarchist for teenagers. Like, if you're a teenager, watch that film, you're like, oh, that's how to be an anarchist. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Seven is really cool as well, but it is a little... What's in the bar? It's a little yeah. bit... It is a little bit gimmicky and stuff. I don't know whether it yeah. ages well. But Zodiac is fantastic. Yeah. And I can't remember if this is the right film or not, so... Because I've only seen it maybe once or twice. But it gets left me very... I feel like there's two scenes in particular. Is it something about school buses? And he's just like, I'm going to kill a... Yeah. Shoot a child, but he doesn't... T- like, yeah. And I have to try and figure out which school it is. Yeah. And then I think there's another one where they think they see, like, him 
in like a security camera, like a street camera or whatever. He's just like, we've got a cap down low or something. Is that... Yeah, so there's one where he gets in a taxi but then kills the taxi driver. Okay. And two police officers are attending to that and they walk past a guy who, yeah, like has a coat yeah, on his yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and they never did catch him. Like, that's the no, thing. That's they right, never they called never the Zodiac did. Killer. They have, a, they have a prime suspect who they interview. It's... Um, but I mean, even in real life, like, they never caught him. Yeah, like, yeah. but he died um, before they could, yeah... Charge him or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, he must have, yeah, because yeah, you know, um, but uh, no, I really think underrated. And if you don't haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah, it's, it's so good. But you do need a lot. It's a long film. It's about two and a half, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's compelling. I remember yeah. when I watched it. Like I was, I'd heard it was like, oh my god, it's going to be a long watch. Yeah. And I remember just being riveted from start to finish. Like especially if you like serial killer films, which I do. Like if they do a serial killer film really well, like, I'm waiting until like, I watched um. Monster today, actually, which is the Patty Jenkins film I watched, the Eileen Wernos film with uh, Charlie's Day. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And that was fantastic. That was only an hour and a half long. It was fantastic. But Zodiac is mm. next level. Like, it, yeah, it really could be Finch's best. Awesome. You're number one. Uh, number one. Who does number one work for? It doesn't, it doesn't work as well, does it? No. So, my number one is one that I mentioned. I'm pretty sure, yeah, uh, I mentioned. The, the female lead in this movie last week. Um, and so my number one is... The Great Race! Oh, yeah. What a surprise. <laughs> Tina has The Great Race in her list of top that five That is a surprise. Movies. I actually thought you would put, like, Pocahontas because it's underrated. No. But, uh, but Great Race... And I'll tell you what, I haven't seen it, and I think a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah, I think a lot of people haven't seen it because, A, it's old... B, it's long, and C, out of all the old movies, not a lot of people have heard of it. Yeah, when you Shit. think classic... Mind you, it's on TV, like, all the time. Yeah, yeah but, like, when you think classic films, you think, like, Ben-Hur, yep. Hitchcock... Or, um, um, Gone uh, with the Wind... Or anything, Audrey Casablanca, Hepburn... Yeah, like... Tiffany's... <coughs> Two hours and 40 is yeah, long for a film. it's long. It has an Especially... intermission. Oh, really? It yeah. literally has an intermission, because it's supposed to be in the melodrama-style theatre. Mm. So the whole, like... It's supposed to be like you're watching a play, so they actually have an intermission. Yeah. It's just a goddamn good movie. <laughs> just so good. Like, that pie fight scene is the best food fight scene in cinema, hands down, like, completely, in mm. my opinion. It's just so good. Really well choreographed, really well done. Um, and just like I said, like I've said a hundred times, I never get sick of this film. I've watched it like a zillion times and I just love it every single time. So, more people should watch it so that I can mm. quote it with them. You know what's <laughs> such a shame is like, no one has the time to go back and watch a 50-year-old film anymore. Yeah. Like, who is going to take, Yeah. as sad as it is, like two hours and 40 minutes? I would. Yeah. I watched but the thing is, it's like, it's already, fantastic yeah. because all the special effects are real special They'd be effects. They're practical. Yeah. They're all practical. Yeah. There's one right at the start where a car explodes and it's done behind like a, a bunch of trees, and it's a real explosion. It's not this CGI shit. Mm. So I think it's an actual real explosion. Um, so yeah, so that's my number one. Nice. You had a good list. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be like <coughs> second guessing your list. Was, yeah, I don't think there's anything on there. I where think I'm... you always had the most hidden gems. Oh, you know, there you go. Like, they definitely all, yeah, exactly. You, go. like... you guys are good at, at, at making me feel better. Yeah, have some cough mixture. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my number one is the newest one on my list, um, and I only watched it this year actually, but it had such an impact on me that um, there could be no other for number one. Um, 
It's not a horror film. It's a, a dramatic comedy um, starring Aubrey Plaza. It's called, a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed. And essentially, I thought you were going to say Life After Bear. Oh, that's good too. Mm. But it's not as good as this. This is great. Um, and it's about um, a, a couple of people who work for a newspaper and they want to try and stay relevant. They're trying to find a great story to like, kind of promote their paper. And they see a wanted, uh, like a wanted ad in, in a classified ad or whatever about a guy saying, um, looking for a partner to, get, to travel through time with um, payment we received you know, at the end of our trip, safety not guaranteed. Mm. Like, uh, I knew my like must be experienced with weapons, all this sort of stuff. And they go and find this guy, and like clearly he must be crazy. And like he's this really weird guy, and he has like all these stories. And like <laughs> they hang out with him, and tr- and like she tries to get close to him, and like kind of get his trust. And they kind of start to kind of fall for each other a little bit. And he's like much older than she is. I think it's Mark Duplass who plays plays him. And it's also got the guy out of um, New Girl, whose name I've forgotten right now. Jake Johnson. That's the one. Um, and as you know. The movie progresses as she gets closer. Like all these stories he tells, seem to like seem to not have so much truth involved. It seems to actually be kind of like he's made it all up, and they think you know he's crazy. He's crazy, um, and I won't spoil the ending because he's the, not crazy. Because the ending is fantastic, um, <laughs> but it's just it's just a wonderful little indie film. And one of the things I was worried about when I when I sat down to watch it was some indie films are so indie it's unbearable. Like mm. some films are just like. They're dripping with like we're not mainstream or we're yeah. gonna put weird abstract ideas. Like I was really worried about Swiss Army Man going into that, which could have been on the list as well actually. Um, oh, yeah. um, I was worried that, that was gonna be that, and it was very indie, but it wasn't to the point where I was like, oh my god, it's obnoxiously so. And safety guaranteed, uh, not guaranteed. I had the same concern, but it's really not like it's just this beautiful little kind of romantic sci-fi comedy drama mishmash of things. Um, that once again made me laugh and cry, which is why I was liking a good movie. Um, a double whammy. Double whammy. And yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, apparently it's free on, I think it's on Stan or something at the moment. I bought it on Blu-ray before it got deleted. Uh, um, who has Stan? Yeah, but it's it's a great little flick. Like, that I think a lot of people haven't even heard of, let alone seen. Uh, yeah, the name rings a bell, but... I think I might have mentioned it as having watched it earlier this year yeah. uh, on the show, but... Yeah, as far as I know, a lot of people haven't heard of it unless they're way into kind of indie film and stuff. Mm. And it's definitely worth, deserves a much broader viewing because it's fantastic, just so fun. But yeah, that's my number awesome. one. Awesome, good list, guys. Do we do have you... any honourable mentions? I I do. Yeah. Uh, so I my first honourable mention is actually a TV show. Um, not a movie. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of TV shows. God damn it. Mm. So my first honourable mention is a TV show for the monkeys. Oh, the monkeys! The 1960s, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I grew up watching that with my sister, and we just absolutely loved it. So that's something that I think not a lot of people think of. Mm. Um, I also have Hot Rod because oh, I don't know. So good. I don't know if Hot Rod's like a big thing or not. So I that's no. why I put it in my honourable mention. I reckon it's in that sweet spot, right in between. Yeah. Like, I don't, like so, I think people know about it. Yeah. I think it's probably bigger in America because The Lonely Island is big in America. Mm. Yeah. But even still, I think it's... A lot of people don't. Like, we only found it, like, randomly. We were just walking through JB Hi-Fi one day before I worked at JB Hi-Fi. And we'd been listening to that first Lonely Island album non-stop. And we are just walking past <laughs> the sales bin. That's so when I'm like, is that the guy from Lonely Island? It was like a 6.98 DVD. And I was like, 
I'm going to buy it. Like, it's mm. seven bucks. Like, worst case scenario, it's not very good, but it's all those guys. And mm. it's probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. What still. about Clay Pigeons? Clay Pigeons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. A hot Rod? Hot yeah. Rod. Oh, oh, it's, you it's brilliant. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Um, my two animated films for honorable mentions are Hercules and Anastasia. Okay, Because I don't great. think Anastasia's great. And Hercules is great, and I don't think they get as much credit as they should. Although yeah. Anastasia is now a Broadway musical, so it's finally getting some more recognition. Nice. And my last one, you guys totally would not have picked me of saying this, The Dish. Do you remember <laughs> The Dish? I never watched it. Oh uh, my yeah. god, it's so good. It's it, got Patrick Warburton as well. Yeah, like, it's such a good movie. So, you would really like The Dish, I think. Did you have any honourable mentions? I did. I had I had one, and then I just remembered TV existed in the world, so yeah. I added one from TV. So uh, my honourable mention film is Margin Call. Which... I keep seeing that at work, and no one ever buys it. No, it's well, it's a hidden gem. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, just it's set on the night of the um, financial crash in the states. Okay, and it's just about this investment firm that realise it's like these scumbags. It's about financial scumbags who realize what they've got is shit mm. so there's like this emergency meeting it all happens over this one night and they're like you know what let's just sell everything and it'll create this thing but at least we'll get rid of our stuff and make the money mm. and then that sets in motion it's about how it'll set it in motion oh. and then from that point everyone started selling and there was no oh. money and stuff so but it's really it's got like kevin spacey oh, when's it set sorry again you know when the financial crisis happened about... 2007? Yeah, oh, about 10 okay. years ago. Because yeah, yeah, we were yeah. the only countries that really weren't affected yeah. that much. We didn't yeah. go into recession, but the yeah. States yeah. was obviously well into recession. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like almost a companion piece to the, the Christian Bale, Steve Carell film. Oh, Big Short. Yeah, The Big Short. Is Jeremy Irons in it as well? It is, it's Jeremy Irons. Is it Jeremy Irons or Jeremy's Irons? I'm going to be honest, you've, you've sold me on this movie, mate, because I always said I'm like... I hate this movie. I wish someone would buy it so I don't have to keep stopping yeah. it. And uh, Zachary Quinto. As yeah, well. so, nice. No, it is really good. Yeah. Um, and for the show, it's a uh, HBO show called Bored to Death. Oh, I love Bored to Death with Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis, Jason and Schwartzman, and Ted Danson. Ted Danson is fantastic. More people it. should watch this show. It's yeah. just fantastic. It's really funny. It's got that... It's a sort of take on noir yeah, detective. Yeah, it's so good. Um yeah, definitely. Go That's ahead a good and get one. Um, I didn't have any TV shows in my list. I guess I would say it's not. I don't know if it's really a hidden gem. I guess maybe it's not big in Australia, but it definitely is overseas. Um, an HBO sitcom called Silicon Valley, which actually just finished its fourth season, and it's super fun. So I'll, I'll put that as my TV show. If you haven't seen that, really good. Uh, my movies. Uh, so I have an Italian horror film here called Beyond the Darkness, uh, which I might have mentioned on the Dollar Squad podcast as well. Um, essentially it's about this surgeon who's engaged, uh, his, his wife dies um, in hospital unexpectedly one day and he's so bereft and uh, doesn't want to be without her that he takes her home and essentially performs taxidermy on her so she stays preserved in their, in their marital bed. Uh-huh. And then he just goes around sleeping with and killing women <laughs> at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an odd one and it's, I, I remember watching it and the practical effects are really convincing so I remember in the taxidermy scene, I've been like super grossed out because like it looks so real. Mm. Um, so that's really great. Um, uh, a little indie drama called A Little Help, and that stars Jenna Fisher from The Office. And essentially it's about this woman who um, is kind of in the middle of her marriage, is kind of a bit rocky at the moment, and then her husband unexpectedly dies one night during 
sexual activity. Mm. So she essentially kills her husband by mistake. <laughs> um, and then it's all about her kind of putting her life back together while trying to raise kids and stuff. Beautiful little movie. And again, like definitely hasn't been seen. Um, but you can buy it on DVD. I ordered a copy for my store so we could sell it. Um, uh, another little independent They're all independent films, basically. Um, called The Lifeguard, um, starring Kristen Bell. As about this woman who has like a kind of high, she plays this woman who's got a high powered like uh, business style job, office job in the in this city, um, and then something happens. I can't remember what it is exactly, but she feel I think she gets separated. There's a lot of heartbreak in these movies, yeah. um, and she returns to her hometown to try and piece her life back together, and she ends up like getting into a very intimate relationship with an underage boy, um, and then she has to kind of like deal with that and like whether she wants to stay and live in this town that's turning on her and all sorts of stuff. Mm. So that one's pretty great. Sounds like an actual good role for her. Yeah. Because most of the time she does trash. No, I, she's really good. In, I, I actually find she's really good in most stuff. She just doesn't have a lot to work with a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, oh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is really good. That's good. You sound like you're from London. When in Rome. <laughs> the worst. Um, uh, and a British thriller called The Hole. Um, and that, I think, was the first uh, acting role for Kira Knightley. Um, and it's about these four teens who decide to go down into this like kind of sewer underground labyrinth type area, not far from their school, and they think they've got locked in, um, and they can't escape. And this whole weekend, they're kind of like going crazy. And it, like it gets really dark and intense. And then I'm going to spoil it because it's like over ten years old. It turns out that the other girl that went down with them, Thora Birch, um, she just pretended it was locked because she wanted to have friends or something, and like she was trying to hook up with this guy. And it gets has like a very violent end. Oh wow! Um, but if that's you, pretty cool, actually. If you do like Kira Knightley in a in a sexy way, she does take her top off. Oh, does she really? She does. Um, and the last film on my list, I literally watched two nights ago in a post-surgery haze. I watched a bunch of movies, um, and I watched this black exploitation film from the nineteen seventies <coughs> called Coffee. So it stars Pam Grier, who's the lead in um, Jackie Brown. Yeah. And she plays this nurse who has a sister who's been um, addicted to drugs and gotten suicidal because um, there were like drug pushes in their neighborhood. And so she's like on a one woman revenge plot to try and take down these drug dealers by any means necessary to punish them. And because it's the 70s, like she uses her sexuality as a weapon. I was telling Tim, there's this one scene where she poses as a hooker and like she's in this pimp's house and they have like a party. And, like, she ends up, like, fighting them all. And every girl who gets hit, their shirt at some point just falls off. <laughs> and they're all just half naked. She hides, like, razor blades in her afro. And someone grabs her by her hair and cuts their hands open and stuff. It's, um, it's really fun. I could not believe how fun it was. Like, it's crazy, but it's, um... <coughs> it's, um... It's very, like, you can see where, like, Tarantino got some of his ideas from and stuff. Yeah. But, um, that's a really great watch. Um, but that's my honourable mentions, so... I think we put a lot of stuff out that the people either haven't seen or haven't given a, yeah. a proper chance. So that's a uh, that's kind of cool. That's what I like about this podcast is we get to talk about things and hopefully encourage people to see different things. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully they take it on board and they see the things that we love in the films. Yeah, do it, guys. Listen to us. Um, I was going to tell you guys the story of my surgery, but we have been going for an hour and a half, <laughs> so we'll save it for another time. But uh, I might quickly just say that. I'm, I'm you know, still doing my 365 movies in 365 days. I'm now 162 in, so I'm only three behind. So I said that every 50 I went through, I'd give my favourite one of each block of 10. Yep. So I'll quickly do that. 
from movie 101 to 150, they would be... Sorry, I didn't pre-plan this. Bold. You should have put them in bold before the podcast. Yeah, um, I will say Kids, directed by Larry Clark. And then I would say... Um, the Wrestler? Oh, no. The Wrestler is very good, but I have to say Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 2. And then I would say... Ooh, a toss-up between The Wicker Man and Empire Records. The Wicker Man being... The original one, not the Nick Cage oh. one. Woo! Um, and then it was the... In this week, I only watched Fast and the Furious movies, really, so I'll say <laughs> Fast Five. <laughs> and then in my last one... Ooh, my last one's a good week. Wonder Woman. Has to be Wonder mm, Woman. Mm. And so that's my top five from that next block. I, as I'm 162 <laughs> movies in, so the next time we sit down, I should be at 200. Mm. So what would be the third film in your top three of the year then, considering that Logan and Wonder Woman occupy two of those three spots? Um, it's tough. Logan and Wonder Woman are up the top there. Hidden Figures is up there. Um, Manchester by the Sea, I would say, is up there as well. I really mm. like Manchester by the Sea. Um, I watched something recently as well. I can't remember. And like Guardians is up there. Like it might not be... That's top... not up there for me. I wouldn't say top five, but... Wonder Woman's in the top few for me this year. Yeah. Logan and Wonder Woman, definitely. I would say maybe Hidden Figures yeah. is up there as well. Um, I don't have to sit down and do a list. Well, I mean, we'll do that at the end of the year. We'll do our list. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be tough this Woo! year. I've watched so many good things already. Yeah. But, um, cool. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about, guys. Do we have anything you want to cover before we go? No, just cheerio for a few months, everyone. Yeah, have fun trip. Before we go... Uh, Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff. I'm on all social media as at James Chalmers Seven. I'm always posting things up, generally movie discussions or photos of DVDs or Lego or dogs. So it's always a pretty yeah. good time. Comic books as well. I imagine your pages will be, will be more active over the next few weeks. I assume so, especially Instagram. I assume yeah. I'll be putting selfies up. That's what the kids do, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. So if you want to see Nick in New York, lost in New York, yeah, people were yeah. Nick alone. Two scoops, make it three. I'm not driving. <laughs> Your very own cheese pizza. <laughs> yeah. You have to throw, break the window to stop the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm Owenovsky with a V on all platforms. I'm Tina Harris. Uh, Tina's hair and beauty. I feel like you mixed hair and beauty with your last name. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's Tanita's block. Yeah. <laughs> so Tina's hair and beauty at um, Instagram and YouTube. And my Twitter handle is Tina... Tina Hair Beauty, I think. Cool. I'm sure. I'm sure they're all linked, so we can probably yeah, find them. Yeah, they are all linked together. Um, and I mentioned it last week. It still hasn't happened yet, but we'll be changing the RSS feed very soon. We'll probably keep the show running on two feeds for a while, so we can get everyone ready for the crossover. But Past the Remote is going to have its own feed very soon. So if you don't listen to Twoodcast, you don't have to. And if you listen to Twoodcast and don't want to listen to this, you don't have to. But listen to both of them because they're great. And Twoodcast hasn't posted in ages, so don't worry, it's fine. And if you're hungry. Two feeds. <laughs> That's what he's leaving us on. <laughs> yeah. That's his final joke. I'm not him joke anymore. <laughs> Guys, that is Pastor the Remote for this week. I've been James Chalmers. And with me as always are Nick and Tina. Say goodbye, kids. Goodbye. See you, See you next week. Except for Nick. <laughs>